I think we've long been this movement for gender equality and diversity as a whole. Today, we want to be the world's most inclusive, iconic community. And our goal is for people to feel like this is an inclusive community with exclusive opportunities. World of Women is a decentralized global network of individuals with a gender equality focused mission. Essentially, a community built on the back of a gorgeous collection of digital artwork NFTs. In July 2021, World of Women launched with a bang, surpassing $1 million in primary sales. Less than one year later, in 2023, the World of Women Galaxy collection eclipsed its launch revenue by generating $80 million in one day. And of course, this is just the primary sales figures. Today, the community is comprised of over 20,000 individuals across North America, Europe, Asia, Latin America, and Africa. And it boasts an A-list lineup of celebrity community members, including Reese Witherspoon, Madonna, Steve Aoki, Gary Vee, and Gwyneth Paltrow. In this episode of Some Future Day, World of Women's founder, Raphael Malavier, and I cover several important topics, including the United Nations report on gender equality, the role of major corporations in NFT communities, the future of NFTs and digital artwork, why World of Women has strategically partnered with key blockchain entities such as Ledger and The Sandbox and beyond. It's a great story, it's a great company, it's a great entity, and I thank Raphael so much for his time, his insight, and his compelling story. Enjoy. Hi, Raf. How are you? Thank you for joining some future day. Hey, hi, Mark. I'm great. And you hope you're doing too good, too. I'm very excited to speak with you. I know you're joining us from Lisbon, Portugal today, which is an interesting place, particularly for the Web3 and crypto community. How long have you been living in Lisbon now? It's been two years now, actually. We moved in uh, in 2021, a bit after launching the, the company and the brand. And it's been two really great years on a lot of aspects, professionally speaking, but I mean, also the life here is good. That's why people come here, to be honest. So it's interesting. You, you know, in my opinion, World of Women was really, or is really, one of the first collections of NFTs that is so much more than just digital artwork. You know, I think an interesting place to start today is with regards to World of, Wish, World of Women's mission. Can you talk a little bit about how you established this mission surrounding inclusivity, gender equality? I'm pretty happy to, to say that, uh, I mean, the vision that my wife, Yam, uh, she's the artist of the, of the collection and, and, um, and I, I have, is, uh, has always been uh, about building an inclusive future. And it always started so representation. That was the only really, I think, idea uh, when this first came to mind for Yam. It was all about representation, you know, and how does she doesn't feel represented by the this market of what we call PFP collectibles in NFTs in early 2021. And she felt like if she doesn't feel represented while she's there, she doesn't feel welcome. And if she wants to have the chance that the Web3 space welcomes more women, they have to have a place where they feel represented and they feel like they, they belong, actually. And that was really the reason behind World of Women. And then the further down the line, I learned, I think, talking to a big brand uh, that does doll, I won't say their name, uh, this, this quote that uh, you can't be what you can see. I don't know from who it is, but it's a very famous quote. And I thought it resonated a lot with me. Of course, as a man, I, I don't relate myself, but I understood a bit what it would feel for a woman. So for, for the audience, for those who don't know, I feel like everyone knows, but Yam is your wife, but she also is an artist and the founder. Do you want to talk a little bit more about her? And I'm curious, like where she's from, where did she grow up? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, we, we met seven years ago. Yam and I have been together uh, ever since. Uh, very, 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 very close, uh, her and I. We actually, uh, when we started World Women, we used to live in Tenerife at the time, actually on a little island, uh, just her and I on the side of the mountain of the volcano. Uh, that was great. And it turns out she, she grew up between, uh, between Europe and, uh, and the Middle East. And um, yeah, and that's where she started her life. And then, and then we met in Paris, actually. 
So, so was the gender equality issue for her specifically relating to those early days with regards to NFTs and PFPs, or did she have something bigger in her career or her life that, you know, really sparked that type of motivation to, to develop this platform of inclusivity? This was really a very natural transition to, uh, from what she was doing before. Uh, before World of Women, she was drawing uh, women. She never, she, she never drew any men. She always draws only women. And her first collection of NFTs, actually, that are uh, single edition pieces by her, is called uh, Women by Yam, Females in the Spotlight. Uh, now they are pretty vintage. You know, they're, they're, the first one was minted, I think, uh, April 7th. It's now in Cosmo de Medici's uh, collection. And then he transmitted it to the, the LACMA in, uh, in Los Angeles, actually. So one of our pieces in the LACMA, which is pretty mind-blowing still to this day. So yeah, she was doing this uh, at her scale with our group of friends doing a single edition digital art. Uh, but I think it was also a, a, a cohabitation with me and me being interested in this space on sometimes a more technical or more uh, um, investment aspect as well. That she saw like, hey, there's bold apes, there's cool cats, there are craniums, there are bulls on the blocks, you know, the, those old collection, there's dead, uh, the dead, uh, dead heads. And none of them make me feel like, uh, like as a woman, I, I'm represented in there. And, and that's how it went from, okay, the attention is on those. How can I translate or can I translate my single edition art into something that's more at scale? And I will get more eyes on and that will make my... I mean, she didn't even know she, she had a mission of, of supporting women. She was just drawing women because that's what she cared about. But at this stage, I think it clicked and, and we moved on trying World of Women. So it's pretty remarkable. I, I think next week is the second anniversary of World of Women, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We launched 27th of July, 2021. It's a very remarkable date for us. And uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an opportunity for us to, to gather community members around the world. We're having, uh, I believe, almost 10 meetups globally organized by, by team or community members in different cities. We are very global. And, uh, and we hope to be able as well to, uh, to be showcasing a bit more of, of the future of WOW and where we're going. So I noticed that. I, I think it's really impressive when you talk about this 10-city event and then the community at large. Like, How many people are now part of World of Women? And I guess the question to you is also, do you have to be an owner or a holder of a piece of artwork to be part of the community? Like, how do you define the World of Women community? How many people do you really see in it? And then when you activate to celebrate next week, which cities are you going to be activating in around the globe? It's, it's a pretty amazing reach that you've built. Yeah, that is true. And I think we would define the community uh, as to anyone that supports the mission and that supports the brand, even if they don't own the, an NFT that sometimes are very valuable and expensive assets, to be honest. We have a lot of artists, um, I think roughly 400 artists that we've supported for or two years, either by buying their art, placing beads on their art, uh, being literally just sponsors of their work, or by inviting them to collaborate with us. Uh, so we've had done, I believe, 10 editions of ArtFest, where we have 8 to 15 artists that join and collab with us. I think those artists, even if they don't own a World of Women NFT or a World of Women Galaxy NFT, they are part of, of, of this community, really. And um, as for the, the meetups, it's, it is very global, actually. I believe we, are, we have Toronto, Paris, London, Lisbon, New York, uh, likely Miami as well. And we have in Southeast Asia. Uh, I'm sure we have Mumbai as well in India. And uh, I don't remember the last one, but uh, it's, it's, it is very global. The community has been, it used to be very, you know, we have stats. It used to be very US-centric, yeah. uh, New York, Miami, Los Angeles. Uh, but then the, the balance with Europe and Southeast Asia has been really strong. Middle East as well is growing. I think Dubai is kind of a hub. And uh, that's, that's something really fantastic, I agree. And the team actually mirrors the community quite well in this regard. Our team is very East Coast, US, Europe, uh, India, and, uh, and Middle East. That's really a global tip. Well, it's interesting because what you're proving to do is um, leverage the decentralized technology, but you're also creating this decentralized network across the globe where you can actually be impactful to um, enhance gender equality in these different regions because of you know, almost like this army of world of women that you're, you're developing through this network of 
holders of your artwork. You could communicate with them. They could organize together and maybe even have impact, not just on a local regional scale, but worldwide too. Yeah, our role, and we are just at the beginning of it, is facilitating the interactions between our members, facilitating uh, the interaction between our members and the brands we can collaborate with. I mean, recently we had Mastercard, we had FC Barcelona, we have a new one with uh, with Diageo recently, where we had artists from our community that we branched with those brands with unique opportunities. And that's what we want to do. We want to be facilitators and, and enable people. So we are building a platform, a product that will make this easier than the current step that's very early stage. I would say that's very for crypto aficionado uh, between Twitter and Discord, not very user-friendly. And, and we think we can really facilitate this and, and act as a global network uh, that would compete on the main stage, not only for the audience of NFT addicts or, or, or artists, uh, collect, arts collectors or, or crypto or investors. But I think we can compete with any traditional networks that offers lifestyle or career advancement or professional empowerment. That's where we want to be. That's really interesting and, and powerful because you take this decentralized global network and you could function in an organized way. So like, what is World of Women? Is World of Women selling artwork? Is it selling culture? Are you selling this a movement towards gender equality? Are you selling community, inclusion? What is it that World of Women is actually selling from a commercial perspective? Uh, I think we've long been this movement for gender equality uh, and, and diversity as a whole, like you said. Today, we want to be the world's most inclusive, uh, iconic community. And what, what does that mean? Uh, we really are talking about... Um, a membership ecosystem, really a membership. You could say a network as a service almost, you know, if we talk about commercial terms. And our goal is for people to feel like this is an inclusive community with exclusive opportunities. Really. So today we have people, most people buy World of Women either as a piece of art or as something they see as a, as a speculative asset. Let's be completely honest. And just like they buy a lot of NFTs or, or coins out there. Tomorrow we want to people to to buy a World of Women NFT as a membership pass, as a membership token, access to a, a network for peer-to-peer -peer learning, peer-to-peer -peer networking, access to services that we would offer, local events, global events, and professional or personal opportunities. People are looking for career advantage. They are looking for career empowerment. And we think based on leveraging the technology that Web3 and NFTs and blockchain provide, we have a very, very strong competitive advantage with what's on the market today, actually. And people will soon see it and we'll have people join us that have no idea about NFT or even I would dare say that they don't even like NFTs or they might hate NFT and they might join the ecosystem and then realize, oh, it turns out like my, my past is a piece of art by this woman, Yam, who's Yam? She's a great artist and it's super cool. And now I love NFT, you know, and I'm going to get interested in that. We hope to, uh, to achieve this goal. So... That's an interesting phrase you used, network as a service. I haven't heard that before. Is there another entity, whether it's in Web3 or not, that you can analogize um, the concept of network as a service? Yeah, so that, that, this is a fun one. And I want to give credit where it's due on this. I think I first read it on, uh, on the platform of Philly, uh, Philly which, which, uh, which is a mastermind group, I believe, for, for entrepreneurs uh, and women mostly. Uh, that connect women entrepreneurs with, with funding and, and do some, some cohorts with uh, mastermind sessions. I think that was the first time I saw it. If you Google network as a service today, this, this mostly refers to infrastructure, you know, to, uh, to a, a LAN and this kind of stuff. So it's not really, really valid. But if you look at, you know, the world of traditional networks today, maybe something like YPO, uh, like Vistage, like CEN, like uh, EO, G100, those are all very traditional and old school networks, but they only cater to executives usually or to high level entrepreneurs. And those people have already made it. By definition, those networks are not inclusive, they are exclusive. And the value that people get from is this exclusivity and this access to those close circle of people. And sometimes they claim to be inclusive, to have X percent of, of diverse people of uh, BIPOC or of women. But fundamentally, they can't be because it's about curating and, and vetting who can get in. I believe, we believe that the curation can be done organically through the value that the brand and the token and the artwork represent. And only people that would believe in those values would want to actually join the network. And I think from my experience being in a lot of meetups and a lot of events and meeting a lot of the community members, we are achieving uh, this challenge of having curated people without curating ourselves. So 
If I could say it differently, because I think it's interesting also that you're breaking down now core values. So World of Women is a global network that provides members with access to exclusive products, exclusive um, get-togethers, exclusive services, unique experiences, all together sharing core values of inclusivity to drive gender equality. It's ex exactly that, I think. It's, it's moving your life and your career forward without abandoning your ethos on the side, you know? You, you, keep, you can be mission-driven and you don't have to step on other people to make it, you know? And this is join this network that also, also thinks like that. And another aspect that I think makes it compelling and makes the, even the business case compelling and, and, and doable is that if you look at the competition that, that, that I mentioned, and I'm pretty sure you didn't know most of it, you know, or maybe you knew a bit, but those brands are not attractive to the global audience. They are not known. They have no visual identity. They can't be marketed. You can't do merchandising or commerce from those brands. World of Women is literally a visual, colorful brand by the best-selling women artists, uh, graphic artists out there. So we have an opportunity to make the brand very known, have a lot of brand awareness and notoriety uh, that will then put the eye on the network itself. And so I believe the demand uh, for what we are building is going to be enormous and will vastly outreach the demand for the traditional. Yeah, I'll, I'll compliment you. Like the artwork that has followed the initial collection from Yam from from your wife has really been compelling. In fact, um, right here in New York City on Fifth Avenue, Mastercard's HQ has a huge flag flying over Fifth Avenue that incorporates, I believe, it's one of your artist's artwork, and I see it every morning because I happen to live in that neighborhood. I believe you that. have to send me a picture because I didn't know of that, and usually I know those things, but uh, I would love that. Raf, I would love if, that, but yeah. yeah, send me um at some point. Send me your um if you don't mind. Send me your your mobile, and I'll I'll text it to you today. I will. It's I will. incredible. We, but we we also had the artwork on Billboard, you know, with awesome. uh, with Maria, Madonna, and uh, Christina Aguilera last year. That was really Amazing. exciting. The concept of this global network that brings together people that share core values is um, very interesting to me because we've been living in the centralized world. You know, for example, like if you're if you're in Twitter, it's so generalized. There's so much negativity. You're in there and probably a majority of the people that you're functioning with don't share the same mission or core values. But for you, you're saying the, you could be part of the rest of the world. We don't care. But if you share these core values and our mission you, and you love our artwork and you want access to these unique experiences and services and you want to push forward to move gender equality and inclusivity into like the right lane, come along with us. Isn't that really more powerful than like a generalized movement where now on a global scale, this network can galvanize and be impactful? Yeah, I, I think so, really. And I think, I mean, I know, we know, you know, from the beginning, a lot of the NFT culture uh, has been powered by uh, social signaling and statutory signaling. People are proud, just like they are proud to have a piece of art to showcase something that they bought early uh, or that they still hold today. And I believe World Women is an extremely strong case of something you want to signally, uh, to social signal out there. And uh, that's also one of the reasons people put a premium or an ultra premium on, on top of the token, in addition to the, to the value and the services we are, we're looking to offer to people owning one. So I know it's still early on. Again, it's, you're not even up to your second anniversary. But I was thinking about like, how you can galvanize that community. And as you're aware, gender equality is a fundamental human right. And it provides a foundation, really, if you think about it, for... Um, like a more peaceful, a more prosperous and sustainable world, right? I think that's like a fair thought. And I was doing some research and I looked at um, some, some data. There's something called the Women, Peace and Security Index. It's, it's co-published by Georgetown University and Oslo Peace Research Institute, which measures women's rights through levels of inclusion in society, representation in the justice system, and feelings of security um, at home, in the community, et cetera. And then the United Nations has something called the Gender Inequality Index, which touches on similar points of data, education, political representation for women, et cetera. In 2022, just recently, less than a half a year ago, an entity called Concern Worldwide used both data sets 
to um, create a list of the worst countries for women's rights in the world. There were 10 of them, and they included, in order from worst, from the 10th worst to the, to the worst in the world, Pakistan, Central Africa Republic, Somalia, Sierra Leone, Sudan, Chad, Democratic Republic of Congo, South Sudan, Syria is the second worst, and then Afghanistan is, is the worst now. Afghanistan is by far the worst. And in fact, Afghanistan ranked um, almost at the bottom for both indexes. Um, and they rank there because they have a terrible level of financial inclusion. Um, they, it said the report that I read is incredible. 35 out of 100 women are exposed to violence from their intimate partners in Afghanistan, according to this report. And um, for those women that are allowed to go to school, because most are not now, the average amount of time that they spend in, in school is only two years, Raf, just two years in Afghanistan. So I'm wondering, like, as you evolve, like you, you, you galvanize this network of people that share the core values of World of Women, that share your mission to, to reach gender equality, do you ever consider, and again, I, I, I realize it's very early on the process, but do you ever consider like how you could actually impact the entire world and get to places like Afghanistan and Syria and Pakistan where through technology, you can help empower these women, provide them with education, provide them with security, provide them with financial autonomy. Are these things that you're thinking about at all? Yeah, uh, very, very, very definitely. Uh, one of the first donations uh, we made, actually, even before we launched the project, we had promised to donate, uh, I think, $45,000 to them, was to a company called, uh, an NGO called Too Young to Wed, that operates mostly in Kenya, notably in Kenya. It's run by Stephanie Sinclair, who's a, an award-winning uh, photographer, and it's all about protecting young girls from uh, child marriage. And so thanks to the donation, actually, we created a shepherd school. They created a shepherd school uh, for those girls in Kenya so that because education, as you say, is the number one protection uh, for girls to avoid child's marriage. So and it was I, I always remember how moving it was for us to do this and to receive the feedback that this had made an impact on some people's lives. So uh, Kenya is not in the list, but uh, this was a pretty, pretty sad story. And I think something we'd like to do because you mentioned decentralization a lot and we are by default a centralized company that that is that that is running here it and trying to connect people as you said to make to make an impact one thing we'd love to do is to be this umbrella brand under, under which uh, initiatives and projects and and small in, uh, companies would grow and be founded by their peers uh, decided the founding from their peers to actually make an impact on 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 the situation on gender equality throughout the world that's what we would love to to do uh, well, i wouldn't say an incubator but uh, you get the, you get the idea so it's interesting because in my circles, like I end up sometimes very often, honestly, in conversations or conferences with people from all over the world. And I find that sometimes digitally, I'll be in a conversation even with men that live in you know, communist regimes where they look at Web3 as a way to embrace freedom. I, I remember this in, in like, I'd say 2020, I was on a, on a Binance panel discussion and one of these um, developers, very smart young guy from China said, to me, Web3 provides freedom. It allows for me to create what I'd like to create, be paid when and how I want to be paid. And I also have access to content that I couldn't get otherwise because of the restrictions within his territory. And I wonder like if World of Women, Women can evolve you know, with technology that can provide in a decentralized way, you know, for example, what do you think about the idea of like, you, you have a, um, a collection of artwork that unlocks access to, you know, education that maybe women in, in one of these areas, Afghanistan couldn't access, but for the fact that she has that NFT, right? And it gives them lessons and tools to, you know, whether it helps them with regards to violence or it gives them um, rules or, or, or guidelines on how to create um, an international business that could allow them to get paid, you know, without the traditional banking system. Or, I, I, and I know these are all concepts that are lofty in mind, but you can really do it. It's pretty incredible. Like, are, are these ideas that you would embrace? You're right. I think we have a responsibility of making the opportunity that is Web3 
um, uh, aware uh, known to everybody that anybody that wouldn't because what I talked about even though inclusive this idea of you own NFTs and then you're part of, of a system and a network where you have services and an offering from being part of it it's still gonna only touch people that uh, that are, are reached by the current system so I agree we have a responsibility to try and find ways to touch uh, 80% of the population really that has that that doesn't have access to these current ideas they don't even know that this is a world that exists and that there are those opportunities uh, we really want to do something in this direction. I think this will come in a, in a second time after the, um, the offering is clarified and clear for the, the current target audience, I would say. Uh, and then we want to make it available and, and clearer for, for less educated people on the matter, really. Uh, it would be amazing if, if you were able to move um, from awareness into action at that level. I remember early in the NFT art movement, there were tremendous artists coming from Iran. And here in New York, we had no idea that they had that kind of a culture, um, or I shouldn't say culture, but that kind of a community, really, young community of artists that were able to embrace this technology and take advantage of it. Did you happen to see any of that um, early on in like 2020, 2021? It was pretty cool. I arrived actually pretty late, I would say. I arrived at the Beeple craze myself, February 2021, a bit before yeah. the Beeple sales at Christie. This is when I landed. Yeah. And uh, and I, I saw indeed a lot of uh, women, notably, through Yam's network, that were, that, were, that were in no ability to actually sell their work to uh, traditional galleries or collectors in, the, in their traditional life. And so NFTs had an opportunity to find people uh, that would pay for what they were doing. And they would absolutely never be able to find those people that would be willing to pay for their work in their traditional environment. So this already unlocked, uh, NFTs already unlocked this potential for those women and artists. So, you know, World of Women is interesting um, also because early on you were able to take advantage of uh, building momentum through celebrity. Most people know the story about Reese Witherspoon, and, and I want to break that down a little bit more. But beyond that, you had um, celebrities collect Ava Longaria, Shonda Rhimes, Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, I believe Madonna was a big advocate and, and even performed for you at some point. Have you been able to um, develop formal relationships other than Reese Witherspoon um, with any of these celebrities? Um, and if so, like, what's the nature of them now? I mean, it depends how you define formal. I would say first and foremost, we we have huge gratitude uh, to them because all of the all of those things happened organically, you know. And yeah. this never happens to anybody, any company. It's extremely rare to have so much organic support from those people. They ask you nothing in return. So we we I think we, we I mean clearly we owe them a lot for for all this matter really. And uh, well, I mean, we've met some of them. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy, to be honest, for very normal people that we are. And uh, I, I would say the, the person that uh, one one of them that's been very helpful and supportive has been Eva Longoria. Really, uh, I've seen her engage with Yam repeatedly. I've seen her on on panels, on chats, on uh, on, on video with Yam. She might come to our podcast soon. Yeah, we have really. She's she's been really really great to. Uh, and it's been amazing to be supported by someone like her, really. Do you connect with any of them, um, maybe including Reese too, to help push this mission of gender equality and inclusivity forward? Yeah, definitely. We, we did, we have, and, and we keep doing it. It's more behind the scene, uh, I would say, today. It's not, uh, I mean, as you know, it's also challenging for those people, the people that are the most exposed and the most public, they are the most uh, at risk with uh, talking about Web3 or talking about NFTs today. Uh, because it's really an easy topic, as you would know, to uh, to attack people on. So I would say they have to be more careful, and this is totally normal. And we are here to actually uh, be, be faces of this, you know, and and push it forward. But they definitely help. You think after the SEC came down on like Kim Kardashian and all, it had a chilling effect on some of your community? Oh, I don't know the exact timing of this, but necessarily, I think if I was in their shoes, I would be very careful for sure. The Reese Witherspoon story, like I know you've told this story a lot, but it's so poignant. It's such a beautiful story about you and, and Yam and um, the way you found out and then the way that impacted your lives. Like, do you mind taking a minute just to talk about that again? 
Yeah, I didn't know you knew about it, actually. So I wonder where this story has been told. Uh, it's actually a pretty simple story. I think uh, I remember we were uh, in an hotel room in uh, in Hanya, in Crete at the time. We love living on islands. We always try to live on the islands and all. Me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I get it. I, I get need it. I hang out with you and Yam. <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, and it was really just, uh, just a DM, you know, on Twitter, Yam got a DM and she was a bit shocked, obviously. And, uh, Hey, love what you do. How can I support basically? And, and I go from there. That was a uh, pretty, pretty incredible and obviously surreal. I think it, it was, it wasn't the, the first one, you know, some, some people like, like, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk had supported and, and reached out and it was already pretty, pretty weird. And, uh, but yeah, Riz made us enter in this, uh, A-list Hollywood celebrity world that we didn't expect to reach. So she collects, uh, right? I think she has two World of Women NFTs. I believe so. I haven't kept track recently, but I believe so, yeah. So you mentioned Gary V. I thought that story um, was interesting too. I, I heard that you were always very active, um, really like running the Discord rooms and all. And then all of a sudden, Gary V, who's been such a great advocate for NFTs, popped into your room. Um, how did that relationship evolve? Yeah, this is the best story, really. Yeah, he popped <laughs> out the first night after one community member, again, decentralization, empowering the community. You know, one one early buyer of World of Women, believer, her name is Becky. And I always refer to Becky, I have her tweet. Uh, she, Gary was like, hey, I'm looking for people to, to support tonight. You know, very oddly, it was the same night we minted. And she went like, hey, you should support World of Women. Those guys are, are doxxed, which means they are they are public faces, which was very rare at the time. Yam and myself were public. We weren't hidden co-founders. Uh, uh, so we had a lot to, to lose, actually, by doing so. And so he, he vetted the project in a minute or two. Then he came to Discord, say, hey, hi, what should I do? Is it good here? People said, yeah, sure, you should. And then he got back to Twitter and he said, hey, I'm, I'm buying, you know. And then it got crazy. It was the middle of the night. So, I mean, the story happened that it sold out. And the relationship after that was just for the first two weeks, him being very supportive and also being, I mean, giving his own opinion. It's never a financial advice coming from him. He just says, I like this. That doesn't mean you should buy it, but I like this. And since then, he's just been supportive through uh, VCon, through our gala last year. Uh, he always tried to support. Uh, if he sees brand that should be a match with us, he will, I mean, his company and him will, uh, will make sure to forward. So uh, really, really appreciative of what this gentleman has done for us, really. Ralph, the other story that I think is really cool is the Guy Osiri story, um, Madonna's manager. Is that how you were introduced to Madonna? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's an easy shortcut to make. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Guy and Gary, I think, uh, operate in similar spheres. And I think on stage once at, at VCon, they were calling each other the president and the boss of the, of the NFT space or whatnot. We met Guy actually, uh, I think, in November 2021. And the relationship started to form then. Uh, really, we, and for him, it was really about uh, supporting one of the the watershed moment, as he calls them, uh, of NFTs. He was seeing CryptoPunk, he was seeing Bored Ape people, and and World of Women. And uh, we we love this vision. We of course we we were all like impressed by his resume, <laughs> as would anyone. And so we've been working together ever since. So is he your manager now? Is he World of Women's manager? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard. It's weird to say manager uh, in, in the realm of a company, actually. So I, I would more say a, an advisor, really. To, to what I see. Always Does he help you secure these deals? You mentioned Diageo and MasterCard. Is he the one that's spearheading those relationships, doing the outreach and structuring the financial terms of those deals on your behalf? Guy is a door opener. He's not going to switch out the financial deals. At least uh, that's not how we operate. He's going to open the doors that we need, that we feel like, hey, there's an opportunity for us. If he sees an opportunity, he's going to also do the matchmaking. And, uh, and then it's our operating team that's going to actually do the rest. Uh, and and for, for several of the recent ones, actually, uh, FC Barcelona or, or MasterCard or even Diageo, it, it came from our natural brand equity that we had built over time. Uh, and I'm really proud about our brand equity actually being such a young company that we can attract the, the biggest brands and groups in the world to work with us. So the FC Barcelona collection, I think it's, first of all, beautiful. It's called the Masterpiece Collection. Is that right? So it is actually not a collection in this sense, but go ahead. Yeah, it's called um, Masterpiece, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's amazing that you were able to organize a partnership with FC Barcelona. I know a lot of people in the audience would... Um, 
take offense by this, but it's arguably the best football club on the planet. <laughs> Right, um, I yeah. think so. I'm not a football player nor fan myself, but I know so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because you're tapping into a community that might not necessarily um, embrace artwork, right? It might be like a a, a sports type of person, but in this instance, um, again, that connecting intersection is gender equality, inclusivity. And then um, I noticed this another pillar where if you're a collector of this artwork, for example, the Masterpiece Collection, it unlocks certain benefits. So how did the um, relationship come across, come together with Barcelona? Uh, it's actually from, uh, again, because of our brand equity, uh, they reached out through their agency. They were looking to, uh, to support and to honor Alexia Putellas. Uh, two times a uh, golden uh, golden ball and uh, basically the best women in the world playing football. And last year, or I think it was a year ago, last year, they, they, they did the first masterpiece. So as you said, it's a series. And the first masterpiece was about another legend uh, of Barca, Johan uh, Cruyff. And they wanted the second one to be uh, to be a woman. And who better than Alexia Putellas? And then since it would be a digital collectible and a piece of art, what better community and brand to reach out to than World of Women? That's really the, the thought process of a lot of those companies. Uh, and as it happened, I mean, Yam has done the collection World of Women as we know it. She should rule all those women. But we love and what we want to is bring the opportunities to the, the community, really. And what happened is our team, uh, Diana, to be precise, curated uh, the artists, looked into within the community what artists would be the best fit for what FC Barcelona was doing. And we acted as a curator and as a matchmaker here. Plus, uh, and, and that's what we did, really. So uh, we, the artist is Ri. And it sold for an incredible amount, especially in this market. And uh, I think we made a good impact on, on Riz's life. And I'm super happy and grateful for that. How much did it sell for? Uh, 160 something East, probably $300,000. And that was just recently, right? That was a month ago, yeah. That was a month ago. Uh, so the, it's, it's, a, it's a 3D piece that also comes with a, a, a meeting with Alexia. It comes with a, a seat painted by an artist uh, from Camp Nou the official stadium of FC Barcelona. So it comes also with an experience behind it, as well as being this memorabilia that nobody else can get. So it really lines up with your the way that you set up your model, right? It gives you access to beautiful artwork, unique experiences. It pushes the mission forward. It's pretty incredible. But, you know, the price point, like, let's not just like fly through that. Like we're in a, in a marketplace for NFTs right now that's a little slow, right? All things yeah. considered. But you're still demanding you know, north of a quarter of a million dollars for one piece of artwork. Why, why do you think that's, um, why do you think that exists? Is that special for World of Women? This was an auction. So uh, the, 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 the price point uh, was created by the demand in the end. And I think Barça is such an iconic collection that uh, if they know how they are, the, the, the right buyer was found, I would say. Uh, but the fact that the provenance of the art was created by World of Women, I think gave a lot of premium as well. To yeah, the piece I agree. itself. Uh, because of, I mean, provenance is everything where we come from, where we are. It will be in 10 years even more. So people realize that when they buy pieces for such expensive costs. I agree. So you've created like these really interesting relationships in the community too. Like, you know, I, I came into your world, uh, frankly, through a, a mutual friend, a third party, and they were like really, really elated about how nice you are, how nice the community is, how genuine you are. And um, I, I see that, um, I would only imagine that a lot of these relationships in Web3 have um, been created also because of that general sentiment about you and, and your wife, the other founders and the community at large. Um, so for example, uh, you've built this foundation. I, mean, I guess b before I go too deep, I, I wanna talk to you about the relationship with Sandbox because it's really remarkable. But before we even get into Sandbox, why don't you explain to the audience, you know, what the mission is of the foundation, what the pillars are, and how that stands up as a separate entity? Yeah, so uh, the, the foundation has been uh, something that we set up a year and a half ago, really, uh, with the goal, actually, to do what I, I mentioned before. The goal of the foundation is to uh, put Web3 and World of Women on the map for people and women specifically that I would have never a chance to, to discover that. So that's really the goal of the foundation, bringing people from zero knowledge of this possibility to, hey, there's an opportunity, I might want to jump into it. And we've been looking to work with, with Sandbox to set it up, uh, co-founding it, 
and uh, trying to uh, to run it in, alongside the, the main core world domain entity and the membership we talk about has been a real challenge. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. This is challenging. This is hard, but this is also uh, also a necessity. So Sandbox put twenty five million dollars into the foundation to kick it off. So five across five years, actually. That's the five across five five uh, five x five, basically. Yeah. And then how how are those monies deployed? What what are they being invested in specifically? Well, we've been very actually uh, prudent and cautious. I would say the first year growing the team, and it's been I would say a mix of education, philanthropic, uh, also activation, so uh, subcontracting basically the good to people that already know how to do it, and working on a program we call Let's Mint, which was all about educating girls uh, pretty manually, actually, uh, before we do it at scale, and then teaching them about minting their first NFTs, how it works, why it makes sense, why they could be interested in that. It's really impressive. I, I guess that's where our um, our worlds also collided. After my initial meeting um, with some of your team at NFT NYC, um, you were really generous and, and um, I really do appreciate it. I can't thank you enough to help support some of my students in my class at, um, at New York University at NYU. Uh, they created a DAO called Tech Girl and um, I appreciate the, the fact that you're, um, it's a new relationship, we're kicking it off now, but they're very enthusiastic, they're young, they're all girls. Uh, with the exception of one student, and uh, their mission is to uh, also support the next generation of women through technology. So um, thank you for that. I that's really, an obvious match. That's an obvious match. Why wouldn't we? So that's so cool. It's incredible. They're so enthusiastic about it. Like I, I can't even tell you. They're dying to get going with you guys. So thank you for that. <laughs> what about the relationship with Ledger? I, I see through the foundation you created a, a, a formal relationship with Ledger to, again, another key um, player in the Web3 community. Can you talk a little bit about, um, it's called The Quest, I believe? Yeah, the Ledger are this big major player in the industry. They are so important. We, and, and I mean, it happens to be a French company as well. And so we are, we are French. We have relationships when we feature at events. So we have a really good relationship going. And they're all about education. Really, I think they're probably amongst the best to do the education actually right now in the space. And this Quest system is all about that, education and onboarding through a fun yet serious uh, model, really. That's rewarded through a proof of knowledge, a POK, NFT that you receive once you've proven that you understand the security, how to secure your assets, what's the blockchain, uh, and a lot of different questions that were pretty key. And so we were happy to uh, to try also and help and contribute in in protecting our own community. See, you could win, a, if you pass the, the quest, basically you would get a, a ledger, a World of Women or World of Women Galaxy. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, that, that's an activation we had, I think, uh, in January. And uh, always happy to collaborate with Ledger, they're the best. It's really important. Um, I'm sure you saw Ledger came out, um, you know, came against a little heat a few months ago um, yeah. <laughs> with regards to privacy and access to data. But don't you think that, as like the like take the world of women's community for example i think that it's fair to think that there are some like real pure um decentralized crypto mindsets that you know really wouldn't want their data accessed and are very concerned about their privacy but then there's probably a lot of people within your community that like the convenience and the safe the storage safety element of ledger and wouldn't care so much about um the issue that Ledger came, the firestorm really from the community yeah. that Ledger came about. Like, what do you think as it relates to the world of women's, uh, the community? Like, do you think that generally speaking, they would find uh, what Ledger stated uh, offensive or, or not acceptable? I didn't follow the story in detail, but I understand this was a, this was an option that you could activate, and they they might have needed to be more clear about yeah. hey, if you activate it, you understand that your key will will be accessible by other people. So I think that was the problem. I have zero doubt about their intention being always positive and always about safety, though. As for the what you mentioned, of course, the future is not made of wallets where you hold your private key under your bed. That that everybody says that that's obvious. Uh, so a mix of custodial and non-custodial has to be found. I mean, even for me still today, it can be, um, I'm sometimes terrified if, if there is too much assets uh, within a non-custodial wallet because I don't trust myself as much as I trust the self party sometimes, you know, let's be honest. And uh, so the, this whole idea- um, Have you lost yeah, any Yeah, that wallet? custodial is Rats? everything. 
Uh, I don't think I have yet, but probably uh, it would be too late if I, it's going to be too late if it happens. I've been scammed before, uh, but I have, I don't think I've lost a wallet yet. Good, good. Um, yeah. The other thing, the other uh, part of the community that also is like best in class um, that I, I see you aligned with as far as uh, collaborations go is Yuga Labs. And you developed um, some sort of a uh, partnership surrounding um, Yuga Labs's other side. Has, has that activated yet? Uh, actually, it's, uh, we're, we're working on Legend of the Mara uh, with Yuga. So Legend of the Mara is, a, is a, I would say, a side game, a side activation, uh, while they are being the, building the big other side game. And it's mostly a, a card game, I understand, that, that will uh, would be coming pretty soon. They announced it, I think, uh, three weeks ago. And we're really happy to be one of the core partners and the core community that will be able to engage in this game with them. Uh, Yuga is the uh, titan uh, from the space. They are the sure. number one success stories. And, and I've met personally the founders. And uh, I'm a big fan myself, really. And I respect a lot of the, not only the ideas and, okay, they, they, they are a bit crazy. You know, they do crazy stuff very far from our brand image. But I love that they are dedicated, that they are extremely focused, and that they are extremely good in the way they operate as well. And I recognize that. I'm really a big fan of what you get does. So it's my understanding that for World of Women, if you purchase um, an NFT, that comes with full ownership of all intellectual property rights? Yep. yep. Of the artwork itself, yes. Of the artwork, but not of its name. Just the artwork, yeah. Of the artwork. So you don't own any rights toward the WoW name but you own the, 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 the right to the artwork. So you can use so, the artwork any way you want. So, so for example, um, you put together a, a cool collaboration with House of Harlow on, on the, in the fashion front. Um, was that done by you, like the ownership of World of Women or the, or the founders of World of Women, or was that created by an individual that um, held some IP? Well, it's a very good question. We are still at the stage where the brands will first look at the at, the, at World of Women as a company uh, to license and to work with because they of, they want to work with the brand Wow as well, and not only with the artwork. But we have a responsibility to incentivize and educate the brand to actually go towards the holders themselves and to work with them themselves, which is often, I think, more authentic and, and gets better received by the, the community. We had a good example quite recently by, by Hennessy, uh, a brand from uh, LVMH, you know, and they went to uh, a board ape, a second board ape, and a world of women holders, and they did a whole campaign and ads uh, with those, uh, and with the, with the IP that they each own from the NFT, and I really loved this. And, and going forward, it's something we try to do more and try to do systematically when we are approached by a brand. We will reach out to our community to say, hey, do you want to be part of this activation? Do you want to license your WoW or your World of Man Galaxy to us uh, to, to be part of this activation? Uh, one, one small example I have is literally about the Legend of the Mara from Yuga. You know, they, they released two or three illustrations and they were all featuring a world of women that was licensed for this activation by a community member too. So what's, what's the benefit then um, to... to like the community at large, if an individual owner can um, license their piece of artwork, like there's no restriction, right? They could decide if they want to align with any type of entity that might not share the core values of World of Women, they can, right? They could go into any category, any business classification, correct? There are no limitations. There are limitations. If, if you read, the, and, and there are logical uh, if you read the transfer, the IP transfer agreement contract, uh, which has been written under French law, and French law is the, the more protective law about the um, intellectual property for the artist. We call it droit d'auteur in French. Uh, so it's very protective of the of the artist's intellectual rights, basically, and the moral rights. And in Biam and World of Women being the, the artist there, uh, we have reserved the rights that there would be no homophobic, no sexist, no racist, uh, no Nazism. Uh, linked to the brand, otherwise we could shut it down and we could remove the right from the people. Uh, but it's really linked to, yeah, as an artist, you can denature the, the, the meaning of the, of the work, really. And I think there will be enough to protect World of Women as a whole to see uh, really mean and really uh, not necessary usage of the, of the art out there. Has there been an instance yet, Raphael, where you had to step nope. in and, and, and stop uh, a, a no, holder? No, not at all. Not at all. I don't think that will happen, to be honest. I think, yeah, you have to trust people. 
Well, it seems like there's and, also and like shared core values where, you know, it's, there's like, like, I really think it's the most authentic community in the entire culture. Like everybody really seems to, it's almost like people are the, like the same, like, well, even the, the, the men that I've met <laughs> that work within your company um, also have like uh. genuineness to them. So I, I don't see why anybody would want to hurt. Wow. Right. Ah, uh, I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you met Yari, I guess. Uh, Yari is great. Yeah. Yari is an example. He was a community member before he joined us in August last year to work with us. Yeah. Uh, and we found him in the community. He was so genuine, and he was really matching and vibing with what we wanted to do. I agree. Nobody wants to hurt us. Let's hope that's true. Uh, I like that. And the fact that we we granted this IP out there, and we really did it in an authentic way. There, there is no. It's not even a license to use it. We gave away the rights. We can't use them ourselves. The artwork, if we don't own them, we, are, we don't have the rights technically to use them. And I think because you use that, if we incentivize people properly, if we educate people properly in the community, uh, those, I think, little pods that pop using the brand, using the, the artwork and the visual identity of the work will make the brand stronger and, and the brand more uh, notorious, I would say. So, so this seems very contradictory um, or counterintuitive to the traditional concept of an entity protecting their intellectual property. You know, yeah. Disney would never do something like this with Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. So philosophically, maybe this is the future, but philosophically, do you see benefit as like the, the, the uh, creator of, of um, WOW when you have, you know, now what probably over 20,000 um, individuals, I would say, right. That can go ahead and license these different pieces of art. Like what's the benefit to the, to the property, to the wow property. If all of these people are creating anything from, you know, uh, a car to a cool fashion collection, to a great spirit, to a hotel, maybe someday. Um, what, how does it benefit the, the creator of the intellectual property. There is a lot of risk to it. Let's be honest. There is a lot of risk to it. Uh, as you said, there may be a, a holder will do something amazing in, a, in an area where us as a company, we wanted to do. But that's the risk that we have. And we have, we have roughly 13.5, I think, thousand people that all one today that are part of, of this ecosystem. Uh, I would say the benefits is also is, is walking the walk, you know, and, and saying like, hey, this is really about community and about ownership of a digital asset. You can tell people you own this digital asset, but you, we still own everything and we can do everything we want with it, uh, in my opinion, you know, uh, unless it's art, it's purely for art, you know, but we went the way where we went above just the art, really. We talked about a membership ecosystem. So I think it's a, it's a bet on, on human's nature and, and the power of network. And the fact that uh, if someone really truly owns the, the piece, the NFT and the asset, they will be more um, emotionally attached to the brand and uh, they will want the brand to succeed more, which is also uh, beneficial for us and for everybody in the community. So do you think it's like a modern way of jumpstarting a, a brand and a culture um, where all of a sudden, because you have a, a, like an army of advocates that own the IP and they could structure their own deals. Do you feel like that's a, a, a better business model than the old way um, of doing this? Time, time will tell if we can beat Disney on this, but uh, time will tell. Really, I, I still think that we own those assets. You know, this World of Women logo that I think is, is one of our best assets. It's beautiful. And brands still want to work with us because of the brand, World of Women, and our name. And uh, and I think yeah we will have more reach and more brand notoriety because of uh, individual owner uh, holders initiatives. I met, I read some mixed stories like early on after you you um, created some significant revenue from the first collection and then again um, last year with World of Women Galaxy which I read did um, roughly eighty million in primary and secondary sales in just twenty four hours primary and secondary mm, yeah. sales yeah 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 that that you um, committed to the community of giving back a certain percentage. Some reports that I read were around two and a half percent, some went as high as 15%. But like, did you, do you um, generate revenue from creating these collections and then, and then reinvest so that you could build brand equity? Yeah, it's all about reinvesting for sure. That being said, we don't, uh, we don't do how we would say a cash back to community members. That's not how it works. For the first collection, the old was really clear. 15% of all sales would be allocated in a fund to actually buy crypto art and support crypto artists, which was YAM's community. And our goal was really to bridge those community, bring some of the monetary 
influx that, that were in collectibles to traditional art. So that was the first collection. The first collection, uh, I believe it was 10% of it, was actually allocated to the foundation. Uh, that's how we co-founded the foundation with Sandbox. We, we also brought some money from the, to the foundation from World of One Galaxy that would be dedicated to the causes we, uh, we, we mentioned before earlier. Yeah. What I like to do with my guests is um, play with the, the title of the show a little bit, Raf. So okay. Some Future Day, the, the, the brand Some Future Day or the title was created. It was inspired by James Joyce, the writer. And um, I want to line something up and then have you finish the statement. Okay. okay. So you mentioned, for example, here, here's a, a, a cool one. I'm really excited that you have um, Yam's artwork is in LACMA now. I think that's really important. I, I struggle. I'm sure you do too. Like there are so many people that just don't understand. This is a simple formula. It's a different medium. It's just like, we know there's one Mona Lisa in the Louvre and this is just this generation and forward. It's, it's a different medium. So I get like hit with that all the time. I don't understand. It's why does the chain create value? I'm sure you get that more than I do even, but in some future day, museums will be digital as well as physical. In some future day, NFT, NFTs or digital artwork will provide women with even more emancipation than they have today and uh, uh, through financial, um, I would say, independency. Raf, in some future day, digital artwork and NFTs will replace. <laughs> can't make a motive. Uh, I, I don't think they right will. Now. They will. Uh, they will not replace anything. <laughs> I don't think they will replace. Uh, if you're talking about digital artworks and NFTs, uh, I don't think they're replacing something. They are filling a hole, probably, but uh, I don't think they're replacing something. I mean, Why NFTs do... might replace a lot of uh, of paperwork. Yeah, that is true. Why do you think? Um, people have such a hard time grasping the concept of like accepting digital artwork as important to, to our generation as, you know, the, the traditional, you know, Caravaggio was hundreds of years ago. Like what, what's the problem? Like Caravaggio used tools, right? Canvas and paint. And, um, you know, we're using different tools as it relates to, um, you know, bits and computers and, and blockchains. Like why do people struggle with that? I, th I think the main reason is <laughs> might be a bit about us. I mean, I'm talking about the collections like like World of Women or like Bold Apes or like uh, the, the, those collections that kind of made to the general public the idea that uh, NFTs were not art, but they were a speculative asset or they were really weird stuff for in speculators. I think this is the, the, with the reputation has been uh, of just seeing NFTs, digital art for art has been in, yeah, uh, there's been a problem because of, of that, I believe. Yeah, the reputation is not good. Also because of coins, I would say. Shit coins, all this kind of stuff makes it like at a glance that what you see from the outside. So why would you go on, on Tezos and buy an art piece for 20 bucks to support an artist, you know? Which is a good use case of actually NFTs. Just you see a beautiful artist doing beautiful GIFs or, or pixel art, you know? You should want to go and support them for 50 bucks, but right now you don't even think about it because, yeah, no, NFT is just weird apes. That's, that's... Uh, an issue, I think. So, so how do we get? How does the industry get over that issue? Um, you know, there, there, there's this like I think bad perception um, that you're talking about, which isn't realistic. So, you know, right now, like there's a there's really cool stuff. I don't know if you're following glitch art at all. No, not so much. Yeah, there's this whole glitch art movement that's super compelling. I think maybe it strikes a chord with me because a lot of it reminds me of like the 80s when I was a kid and all. But like, how do we get over the hurdle? Like, this is real art. It does, You don't have to think of it as, you know, just this moment in time where it's a, you know, it's a, a bored ape, um, but but there's real value to it. I mean, your your artwork is in LACMA. Right now, Rafik Anadol has artwork that's in MoMA. So clearly the 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 legacy art community is embracing it, but how do we get it to, for people at the mass level to understand, like, this is really valuable, very important art? Uh, I think we, we stopped talking about, about NFTs. Uh, we just develop product services and uh, ecosystem and industry that are leveraging the technology, uh, but we stopped mentioning everything that the idea set himself as, as an NFT, you know, and 
and that probably that will take five to ten years. But uh, and then we'll see. Hey, this is a, an art piece from me. You can buy it, and we, we won't say it's an NFT piece from me. You know, it's just an art piece, and that that will be natural from people. Just like people don't say, hey, it's a this is my my painting. It's on a on a wooden canvas. Uh, no, it's just a painting, and we won't talk about the medium as much as it is today. Uh, anyway, the, the name now is anyway the name is uh, is ruined NFT in a lot of people's mind. It's such a, it's, it's always at a negative association. So. It has to be removed and it has to be, we have to hide the wires. Those wires have to be hidden. Raf, do you see any young artists or emerging talent um, that is on your radar that you think will have great success in, in the um, blockchain space in, in the next few few months or years? <laughs> I mean, I have to I have to share with you uh, an artist we worked with and that I met in Cannes months ago, Kelly Lianos. Uh, she's great. She's been she's been doing a live NFT on stage actually with Mastercard, with the CMO and CFO on Mastercard. NFT is amazing. It's called Priceless, and I, I have one now because I was there. And I think she's just super talented, and I hope will uh, this will help her kickstart even more her career as an illustrator and as an artist because it's uh, it's not easy, especially right now. So Kelly, yeah, knows she's amazing. That's great. Raf, is there anything that we missed today that you'd like to cover or talk about? I don't think so. I was so really impressed with the amount we covered, actually, and, uh, and I didn't expect to cover all those different topics. So really, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. I know your time is very important, so thank you so much for joining me today. For ongoing insights surrounding these important topics, you can join the conversation on my social media channels, including Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, at Mark Beckman. And to sign up for my newsletter on Substack, you can find me at markbeckman.substack.com. To make sure you don't miss a show, be sure to subscribe to Some Future Day across all major platforms worldwide, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Special thanks to New York University for producing Some Future Day, and a big shout out to my producer extraordinaire, John Boomhofer, for being patient and always encouraging me to push through. Thanks a lot, John. Have a great day.